0: I'd say now it's easy, like I know who I am, but I think growing up, a lot of people, when they first see me, people would say, oh, you're white, like you're not, you're not indigenous. Growing up as a kid, like when you hear people say that, and they like repeatedly say it, you're probably not at that age strong enough to understand, like, well, if they're all saying it to me, then am I? Like you sort of question it. All right, everyone,
1: welcome to... Lead Difference Experiment with Friends. Once again, I'm joined by my good friend, Kyron. Kyron, how are you doing? Yes, I am great. Thank you. And you? Oh, spectacular. We're doing a late night recording tonight, which is fun.
2: It feels late night. There's almost jazz. It feels like a jazz kind of event. <laughs>
1: well, my friend might be a jazz musician. I might. We'll find out I introduce <laughs> awesome. him in a second. <laughs> so th- this week, we've got another friend of mine. Um, for this episode uh, and this episode it's a, it's a friend of mine who I met through another friend because he, how we met was I, I, I was friends with um, uh, a lady at Woodside. Uh, she's one of the best leaders that I've ever worked with and she was telling me she was getting me to do a bunch of work with her whole leadership team. She was fairly high up in the organisation and she kept telling me about this guy Chris. Uh, oh, He's just oh, he's the best and because I, I think of He's I think of this lady so highly. She's one of mm-hmm. two people in Perth I could actually work for. Um where if she was And that's that's in, saying something for you as well, because you're oh like, yeah, uh, yeah you're unemployable according to your own words. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but because she thinks so highly of this guy, I was like, Oh, I gotta make sure I um you know meet him and have a chat. And so I I, I cornered him and and started chatting to him and realized we had a lot in common and that he was a really good guy and then i was a bit more of his stories like this guy's fascinating and so here we are at a podcast i'm about to introduce you karen and to you listeners at home or in your car or at the gym or um hiding in the bathroom at work avoiding work maybe i don't yeah, know yeah there's, there's a lot of places that
2: people could could be listening to because it's like you know the internet goes goes fairly far. so
1: like it's you're willing to list all of them but it's it's good that's true. Anyway, <laughs> so this week's guest, this week's friend is my friend, Christopher Holloway. Chris, how are you doing, mate? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, great. Thanks for joining us, mate. That's yeah. Fun. Thanks for making the time to join us. So, Chris, tell us, uh, we're going to do a slow introduction. Uh, where, where do you work?
0: Uh, Woodside Energy in the city. Yeah, And uh, And what, what do you do for them? Uh, so, my current role um is a management assistant um which essentially um, covers a lot of like procurement stuff so you know producing purchase orders paying invoices stuff like that and essentially just making my boss's life as efficient as possible so if I <laughs> them time I'm essentially working at their rate which is saving the company some some money and efficiency um but I also study part time which is um coming to an end now so i've been studying for the past six years time whilst working full time yeah Uh, and been studying a bachelor of science majoring in commsci and uh, data science that's awesome now uh, 14 year old you
1: would he ever have imagined how you're 27
0: 27. seven 27. Yeah, I had to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Would he ever imagine 27-year-old version of you working at one of you know one of the nicest buildings in Perth, finishing up his bachelor of science? No, no, no. What is
0: 14-year-old version of you? What's he thinking? All uh, right. So 14. The 14. I would. That was 2009. So I'd, I would have been a year nine at Wesley. Um, I used to catch the bus. I think this is an important part of my journey because I used to catch the bus to school, which took me from Thornley, where I grew up, which is, you know, a bit of the, the hood, the Bronx. <laughs> that's where you'd see all these people in nice suits going to their office jobs. And that was sort of uh, something I envisioned. Maybe that's a possibility, but with no sort of um, direction as to where it would go. But um, yeah, it would have been year nine at Wesley. That's amazing. Now, I remember one of the reasons, one of the things that your
1: boss, Shelly, when, when she was signing up her team to do the Ignite program, she kept referring to you as like, oh, Chris, oh, he's just the best. He just he's just like a son. He's the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she she kept such glowing things. And and, um, and she said, Oh, he's just the oh, he's he's actually part indigenous. I said, really? And then I met you and I was like, She must have been talking about another Chris. Mm. Yep. and this is an interesting part of your journey right and, and this is some of the stuff that i want to unpack today um because looking at you I, I never actually would have guessed that you're a part indigenous um which is a which is and you know that's neither here nor there other than it did end up forming an interesting part of your journey growing up and so i want to mm-hmm. unpack a bit of that so can you um Articulate your cultural background to us rather than me just saying part indigenous as a yes. <laughs> as if I know what I'm talking about,
0: oh yeah, so I guess I'm quite like fair skinned so I guess if, if, if by saying you didn't realize I was like I don't think many people would um unless it came up conversation but my mum was my mum was born in England um and she moved over here when she was like seven, so she's like proper English, and um, my dad is so my dad's dad is also English, but my dad's mum is Indigenous. Right. So you can work out the percentages, but that the percentages don't matter to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I know I'm Indigenous, and that's that's what matters to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, and that's I'll, actually
1: that's actually really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like immediately from from maybe the Western like white perspective, is, is we start going fractions and all kinds of stuff, where you're like, I'm Indigenous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it doesn't matter to me. Um. But yeah, so my my dad left when I was quite young and moved initially moved like quite far away from where we grew up, and then eventually moved to Adelaide. Um, so I didn't really get a lot of that cultural experience until I got to Wesley, which I mentioned before um, when I met like uh, our group was called the Modic Mob, and it was just uh, a group can, of. Can you slow that down for for me? Um, Modic. Okay. It means it means good in Nunga oh uh, awesome so, so we had like a group i think there was like seven or eight of us at the start but um it's grown in size quite a bit there's a there's a big group there now um but that was really when i first got my sort of you know i grew up like in my neighborhood i had a lot of indigenous friends but you don't really get that cultural appreciate like understanding until like you're they were like sort of like my family at school because yeah imagine coming from thornley going <laughs> to wesley i had my own um Incorrectly formed preconceptions, I guess, of what <laughs> school and the people who attended would be like. Um, so yeah, that was like my family there, um, which helped me get through school a lot. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the the cultural background. So
1: so the, look, Kyron, let's have a competition. Who can get this word the right, the most correct, the first time? Mm. So you're going to go first, or am I going to go first? With I've
0: the, completely forgotten it. It starts with an M. Muddage. That's close. Yeah. So there's like a, there's a T at the end. So you were close, Jen. You said Morditch. It's sort of Morditch. 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 Okay. M O R D I T J Morditch. Morditch.
1: Oh, cool. So how did that Morditch mob
0: form? So I think I think it formed a two, one or two years before I got there. Um, but essentially, um, the lady who ran it um her name is lynn weber she Mm. she's like shelley uh to me james she's she's like sort of i've had like three really like impactful mother figures throughout my sort of career so far the first one was awesome high school lynn weber was like this awesome lady like shelley and then once i got to woodside sort of shelley's been the third one Mm. Um, but yeah lynn weber she sort of run this program and it was just um, at the start, I think it was like two, three, four Indigenous um, kids who'd come mostly remote because we had um, the boarding house at Wesley. Right. Um, so a lot of them weren't from like in the Perth area, but there were a couple. Um, and yeah, a lot of us were on um, scholarships. So I got like a 100% scholarship, didn't have to pay. There was no way I was going to Wesley if I had to pay. Yeah. Uh, and we even got like that extra, I think it was like $1,000 for the uniform, which I thought was absurd. But then the blazer is like $600. I was like, okay, we've lost all that budget. sorry. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just a, it was like a program where um, it was just like a place for us to go together um, in like, you know, Woodside, not Woodside, where's there's sort of like, it was like a bit of a foreign world at first. You can imagine kids from out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, not sort of used to that environment, sort of a place where we we had our own sort of room um, in the school where we could just come at lunchtime or, you know, at various times and just hang out and started to learn, like, proper dance, didgeridoo, art, like, language, things like that, which was, like, really impactful for me, obviously, because I hadn't had that um, in my earlier stages of life. But
1: um... oh, So many questions.
0: <laughs>
1: Lynn Webber, she's Indigenous, I take it?
0: No, she's not. Oh, really? She's not, but she she's qualified black. <laughs> we all say she is, yeah. yeah. talk,
1: talk <laughs> me through that qualified black.
0: She's <laughs> just she's been around like indigenous more like, her whole life. Like that's her her life is like how can I make indigenous lives better. Like she's just she's she's black, black yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love it. So so when you said you learned like the
0: dance and the indig- mm. and the didgeridoo and stuff, yeah. But- who's who's teaching that so we had black people come in so we had um one of the guys olman wally um is one of the guys that come in quite a bit taught us the digin and, and he led a lot of the dances but a lot of the like the sort of elder um students sort of took the role took took the charge of the group and and they were sort of the leaders and would would teach us and and like lead the dances and the music and stuff but yeah we would go out and do like actual dances at events and stuff like, proper julep. Uh, so, okay, you know when you see Indigenous dance, they're wearing what it looks like. A lot of people say it looks like a nappy. A long cloth. Yeah, it's called a julep. And, like, you, you're not allowed to – this was a big thing for me. You're not allowed to wear underwear when you wear the julep. And so, like, you have to be free-balling, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> step. Um, but so, yeah, when, how old
1: are you when you're not allowed to wear underwear underneath your little julep?
0: Yeah, year eight. right. from a young. Mm. Oh, year eight boy. Mm. Yeah, that was a shame. Because you'd always oh. like just in case it fell or whatever. Um, but yeah, we'd go out to different events and do dance and and um, there was a couple like with Didgeridoo. If you can't circular breathe, mm. there's no point like yeah. right. You know what I mean? You got to have yeah. that. Skill. So there was a couple of boys who were like awesome at it. So they would play the didge, um, and the rest of us would do like the dances. We sort of had choreographed dances, which like sort of told a story. Yeah um yeah you brought it up
1: so i need i need to know did it ever fall no <laughs>
0: okay. you do it up real tight james <laughs> so how good did you get it Knots. <laughs> triple, triple knot, quadruple knot. You just hard to get off afterwards
1: <laughs> so you're essentially 13 when you're first exposed to some real indigenous culture hmm. and so given that you 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 know, like I like I mistook you for just a, 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 a you know, white, like Kyron and I, mm. but for you, how, what was that process of embracing that part of you? Was that difficult? Was that hard? Was that just natural?
0: It's okay. So I'd say now it's easy. Like I know who I am, but I think growing up, like a lot of people's first conception or like when they first see me, they'd like I would say I'm Indigenous or like mum would, my mum is like very, um, she does a lot of work in like the Indigenous space and she's all like, like own it, like you are Indigenous, like don't worry about what people say. Obviously like growing up when you're young, like people would say, oh you're white, like you're not, you're not Indigenous and like as a kid, like now it doesn't affect me, like it's easy for me to handle that but growing up as a kid, like when you hear people say that and they like repeatedly say it, it's sort of like, you're probably not at that age strong enough to understand, like, well, if they're all saying it to me, then am I? Like, you sort of question it. Um, So growing up. Who who says that to you as a child? uh, Just, like, um, even, like, some, like, family and friends, I guess. Like, and then people at school would obviously have our, um, like, NAIDOC week events in primary school, I remember, and, like, getting involved in those events. Like, you'd hear, like, murmurs of people, like, oh, this this guy's not indigenous like why is he up there or stuff like that and like at the time obviously as a child you're not really ready to sort of fight that that battle of because you don't even know yourself right yeah and then, obviously as a kid like you look at it and you go well i am like quite pal- I'm, like pale yeah. i don't like the other indigenous kids like am i like what what qualifies as making someone indigenous so yeah i guess it was was difficult at the start but once i like I think once I got to Wesley and, like, I had a good supporting group around me, um, that, like, made it easier. Like, from that on, it was, like, it didn't really matter what people said. Like, I always had the view, like, if I know, like, I don't really care sort of what other people say. It just doesn't really affect me.
1: And so by what age were you, like, because there's a lot of growth between mm. year year eight. Was your first year of high school or year seven?
0: Year eight,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, between year eight and year 12, there's a lot of changes. Probably oh. in the amount of facial hair you have too, because it's yeah. a good beard you got. <laughs> I'm super chill. jealous about it. Uh, oh, insanely crazy. jealous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, big, like, there's, there's a lot of growth. But, yeah. like, at, at what age are you really becoming comfortable with it, or is it pretty much straight away?
0: Um, oh, I don't know exactly, but it was definitely happened at Wesley. yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe halfway once I could put the jewel up on and go out confidently. Let's let's say it was then. <laughs> it would have been somewhere around that time frame. Um, and so so you you've you've gone from not knowing anything
1: about indigenous culture to embracing it, understanding and knowing yourself, yeah, I'm indigenous. You're finishing high school. I imagine Finding so much of your indigenous identity within the walls of your high school. What's it like to then begin to think oh, I got to leave this? What's next? What's your what's your thinking? You're going to do next? How are you relating to the fact that you're an indigenous man? Um, what's what's going through your heads at, at that point? Head at that point.
0: Yeah. Um, also, a caveat at this like at, like you said at the start, going from no like I did have indigenous like understanding when I was growing up. Like I had a lot of indigenous mates at primary school. So okay. I, sort of, I did obviously know, and, like, it was more, we had a lot of, like, slang culture growing up because, like, you didn't really understand it fully, but you knew, like, all the slang words and and that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> but I'd say definitely, like, going through Wesley, um, yeah, it it made a lot more sense to me and, and, and was easier. And then leaving, um, I don't know, I've always had this uh, – this like personal quarrel that I have to deal with where, um and w- I think we've spoken about this, but I don't want to be like, I like the opportunity that I get, but I don't want to be like, I don't want to be selected to be a software engineer at Woodside because I'm indigenous. Mm. I want to be a software engineer because I think I'm bloody good at my, what I do. Right. Uh, so one of the the ones that's one that I've sort of, had to str- not struggle with but it's like something that sometimes plays on my mind it's like am i being hired or looked at because i'm indigenous or because i'm like good at what i do and i'm indigenous you know what i mean yeah has there been been other people
2: that have kind of made that assumption about you like have you experienced that from from external forces um,
0: yeah not not directly but i know that does go on where people mm. feel like and people would probably say it about me not to my face i'd imagine but like, you only got that role. Like, at Woodside, for example, when I started, I was on an Indigenous business admin traineeship. And some people would obviously say, oh, you only got that because you're Indigenous, mm. like that pathway into Woodside. Um, but, yeah, people will say stuff like that all the time. Yeah,
1: and this may or may not be helpful, but one of the things, because one of, one of the people who used to work for me was in a minority group as well. Um, and... Uh, The way she came to settle it, she goes, yep, I got my foot in the door because of that, but I slammed it open because I'm good at what I do. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people who could have been given that opportunity just because of whatever reason, but no company keeps someone around who costs them money. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when they're publicly held.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: 100%. Right. If you're costing Woodside half a million dollars a year because you're incompetent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true
1: so so you're leaving and you're like oh gosh what opportunities are here for me because i'm indigenous and how do i not just be seen that they're only coming like is mm-hmm. so so did you go straight to
0: uni or yeah so um after finishing high school i think i'm pretty sure i was the first one to graduate high school let alone go to uni in my family like a lot of people left you know, people back in the day they would just like leave early to like go work and do stuff like that um so I didn't really have anyone to sort of look up to mm. in that regard of like, what can you do? What's like a, what's a uni life look like or post uni life look like? What jobs mm. are out there? Like right now I, in software engineering and data science, there's a ton of maths and statistics, which I like always enjoyed growing up. But I was like, where would this even take me? Like, am I just going to become a maths teacher? Like. And I don't want to be a math teacher. I didn't know there were like software engineers or like data scientists or engineers, things like this. Like you just don't if you don't if you don't have that in your life, like how are you supposed to know they exist? Um, and so coming out of high school, my grades weren't that good. Um, they were like good enough, but not like enough to. Uh, at the start, I actually wanted to do architecture. Right. I don't even know why. Um, <laughs> didn't have the marks to go for that. Um, and so I thought, what's the most like generic sort of degree you can do that sort of applies quite broadly. So I did commerce. Um, it was, (laughs) can you swear on this? It was shit. (laughs) (laughs) I hated it. Like at the end of the first year, um, I pretty much failed most of my, um, units, um, because I'd started like James, you know, that I'm a bit of a gamer. (laughs) <laughs> I'd started taking League of Legends like really seriously, and if you've ever played that game, that you can sink a lot of hours into that game, It's bad. So I've never played it for that reason. Yeah, I was um I was in like the dorm. There's a St. Catherine's like dorm at UWA. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was just in my like little one by one apartment playing games all day, and not going to uni because I just didn't really like. It, yeah, I I didn't really enjoy what I was doing there. Sure. Um And so uh, somehow I got a credit for one of the units I did there, which was like this, like I barely went to any classes. The exam was like multi-choice and I got a credit out of that unit, which has actually helped me now because it means I don't have to go back next year for half a semester. So (laughs) it it worked out somehow. Um, But after doing that, like I was like, oh, there's no, like, I've got to pull my finger out here and and sort out what I want to do. Because I always knew I had like talent. It was just like finding like what I enjoyed. Um, and so I was like, oh, I better do something practical. I don't know where I saw the application for the um, woodside tra- the uh, traineeship, um, but somehow I ended up applying to that and, um, and yeah, and got in and like the stars are just aligned for me ever since like I got placed in an area which is called technology, which was like literally by chance on the same level as the data science team who had just formed. And I had a guy um, over there in the data science team called Jack, who just like, he's like, he was a data scientist and a, like a mathematician, statistician by background. And like, just seeing like what they sort of did was like open my eyes, like, whoa, like, you can do all this cool stuff. And like, being mm-hmm. like a game, I've always had an interest in like computers and stuff. Like you can see, you can see my computer here that I built myself. Okay. <laughs> Put, <laughs> put that back on the screen because these people
1: listening. want to describe, describe what account. I'm seeing. Because yeah. Karin, what do you see? It's see through. Like I
2: can see in it. I, I don't understand it, but I can see in it.
1: So so, so let me. That is a water cooled hardline looped, right? Yeah. That did
0: you build that? Did you do the water cooling? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it sounds unintuitive, but um, putting your electrical components under water makes them operate a lot better you just got to make sure the water doesn't touch the components yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's fully water cooled and all that jazz um did you do the, the piping the pipes and everything yeah, for, yeah you just oh, get man. a gun and you put the piping over it and bend it and yeah. make there's no cracks and uh-huh it before the water goes in and then you just pray and hope that <laughs> there's no leaks um so, you, so you're really in the computers because i'm in the computers but
1: i've never done that level yeah.
0: I guess, I don't know why the hardware sort of interests me. I me and my brother were always into Lego growing up, so mm. maybe that's why I like building stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, so digress. Um, into sort of computers, maths and stuff, and meet this guy, Jack, who does all this cool stuff, and I'm like, uh, like this is something I could go back to uni. Because the goal always was, and I think Woodside knew this when I first interviewed, that I would do this traineeship, but I want to do, like, more. Um, and so they were super supportive, like, straight away. I. They have this um, program where they essentially pay for your, your tertiary education as long as you pass, and thankfully I've passed every unit so far. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, they were super supportive, and I just got like straight onto it. Like the year after when I got um, to, made into a staff member, um, yeah, I took off. We, uh, sorry, we'll can, start, I, we'll just can just... I can I just jump
2: back for a second? Sorry, like that. I uh, you sitting in that one by one dorm, like yeah. playing League of Legends. Just completely like not even engaging in uni, like mm-hmm. I can imagine that space, that headspace that you'd be in in that moment. Like it's it, it's it's a long way from there to even applying for a traineeship with Woodside, <laughs> let alone getting it and kind of going, yeah, I want to go back to uni and start Like how? Yeah. And, and you kind of just went, oh yeah, I just wanted needed to pull my finger out and you know better better get like. But what was the process? There must have been something that actually helped you. And even having the idea of yeah, well I've got some talent in me, I know that. Like
0: where did that come from as well? Yeah, it's even worse than that because that year I was in like a really bad toxic relationship as well. Um, <laughs> so I was yeah, that, like a large portion of that year I was pretty down and dark. Like it was it was not a good year. Um, I don't know what spurred me to sort of. I think I just looked at myself and realized like, I just needed a crack on and, like, I was wasting a lot of time just sitting around not doing anything. And I think I've always had, um, I think especially from my mum, but a lot of people have always, like, in my family as well, have looked at me and said, like, you're going to do something special, like, you're, you've are you got, like, the, the talent to sort of achieve stuff. So it was also, like, part of that, of, like, looking back at that year and it's like, oh, well, I've wasted that year, like there's nothing here from this past year that I could go on and like, be proud of or tell people, oh, like, this is what I've done the past year. Um, and I obviously hid that I was sitting in my dorm playing League. <laughs> Probably told many people that I was passing units and smashing it. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. It just sort of, I guess it's always, apart from that year, it's always been in my personality. That I just got to, I just had to go for it and start getting stuff done. I don't know.
1: That's a good question, Kirk, because what we're talking about here is the momentum, like, the momentum of your life when you're mm-hmm. sitting in your dorm playing League of Legends is yeah. – No way. But no. you're not actually headed in any direction. Yeah. And you're going very slowly in that direction, <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah. then all of a sudden, that application process and going back to uni and – within 18-month
0: span, is it? Is that – yeah, it was a year-long apprenticeship. So
1: yeah. A year, so in the space of a year, you went from this kid who most people would have looked at and gone, oh, he's probably going to work at Macca's. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you, you probably wouldn't even be able to get a job at Macca's at, with that level of momentum, <laughs> right, yeah. to to where Woodside are like, no, no, you're not a trainee, you're on staff, and mm-hmm. we're going to pay for your education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's pretty epic. Yeah, Karen, thank amazing. you for highlighting that. I, I, I miss that. Yeah,
0: I guess I've always, like, that first first year on the apprenticeship and, like, even, like, growing up, also, I've always, like, I've always, aside from, the, like, that year, let's put that year aside, I've always had really good work ethic. Like, I always like to kick ass at what I do and, like, show people that I'm, like, I'm really good at what I do. And I've True. always, I think it goes back to, because my brother's three years older than me. Right. Um, a lot. I didn't really think of it at the time. Like we obviously fought a lot and stuff like that. But now that I think back of it, I think a lot of what made me who I am is like me and my brother being super competitive with each other. Because I was always trying to one up him, and he's three years older than me. So you can imagine like sport, in like intelligence, like gaming, like anything. I would just try my best to beat him, and I would never beat him. But that's gotta mean something. And like I was pushing myself above the level that I was at in order yeah. to try and get to his level. Um, but, yeah, that year at Woodside, that first year, yeah, I just, like, would go above and beyond, like, just showing his boss. But I, I don't think I, – I,
1: yeah, obviously it's impressing Kyron a lot more than it's impressing you, and it's impressing me a lot <laughs> yeah. more than it's impressing you. Because you're like, oh, he just did it. I'm like, no, that's not how things turn around, yeah, man. Yeah, like, it's right. supposed
2: to be <laughs> – not everyone just does these things, right? Like I think there's there's probably a whole generation of people that that may have just stayed in that space of one by one unit
1: playing League of Legends for the next five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and been a lot. Imagine if you hadn't. Here's the fun game. Imagine where you would be. I want you to do this. Where do you think you would be mm. had you not seen that apprentice the the
0: traineeship? I could have been back home. Could have. I think I would have probably, um, like most of my mates when I was growing up, probably would have done a trade, I reckon. Yeah. But I, I, I wasn't that close to pulling that trigger. That was always like a background option, but that's probably where I would. Or I would have been really good at League of Legends and maybe gone pro. <laughs> because... <laughs> there is always that. That is always an option. So that's, uh, that's fair. Maybe I do underestimate what I achieve, but I, I honestly think a large majority of it is like, the shame of me, like, not not impressing is the wrong word, but letting people down, like, in my life, that, yeah. like, set these high expectations for me and I just, like, didn't achieve. I think that probably is what spurred me on the most.
2: Well, there seems to be a sense of, of responsibility that you carry. Um, mm-hmm. Is that is that mostly towards kind of family? Are there other people that you feel responsible to as well?
0: Yeah, maybe subconsciously there is, but when I think about it, not really... I guess it's like my, I guess it's a lot, a lot of it's also for myself as well. Like, like when I look back on that, like I always look back on that, those years like wasted as like, like that was just like a terrible time. Like a lot of wasted opportunity, a lot of wasted time. But like when you look back at it now, it's like, okay, everything happens for a reason. As people say, like there are some good lessons that I learned from not doing so well. Because I, like, who you know what would have happened if, say, I knew what I wanted to do as soon as I left high school, and what if I aced commerce? Like, would I be in the position I'm in now? I don't know. So yeah. I feel like the six years of like working under Shelley has like taught me a ton more than like what I would have learned going at any other different paths. I
1: would agree. She's she's amazing. Yeah, she's actually going kind to of, You know, she's going to be a guest on an upcoming episode. Is she? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a nice forward promotional that's mm-hmm.
2: uh that's great i'm excited about that
1: yeah i'm too so with your um uh, so you spent six years then working under an incredible leader mm-hmm. um, i want to delve into that so what made Shelley such a great influence and impactful leader in your life i always
0: referred to her as my work mom um and i think that tells a lot
2: is she okay with that? Like, does she respond well to that title?
0: Does she know? Well, I said it to her a few times. Not okay. like I would say, hey, mum, do you <laughs> want to go do this? It was more like, like in personal conversations throughout the years I've, I've referred to her as that. Um, but I think that in itself shows the sort of respect and, like, the regard that I hold her to. Yeah. What makes her a good leader? I always wonder if other jobs, like uh, – Growing up, I always like when people talk about how was your day at work at the dinner table, it's like always like, oh, I work was shit. It was boring. I did this same, same, same thing every day. Like when I first started at Woodside, and even to this day, like every day is like enjoyable. I found that weird at the start. Like people would talk about, I'd go home and talk to mom and how was work, and I'd say, yeah, it was great. Like it was awesome. Did all this stuff. So I think part of it is like her making the role enjoyable. Um, and she's very um, laughable, like charismatic. She's very funny and will always, like, not take things too seriously Always, always will have a laugh. Um, and I think one of the big things she does is she, will, she used to always ask, like, for my opinion on stuff. And, like, these are things that, like, really I had no position, like, or background to really be answering. But she'd always ask my opinion on, like, decisions being made or stuff like that, which I always thought was, like, really cool because like she didn't have to ask me and like really whatever I say I don't know what sort of merit it would hold um <laughs> would always like ask
1: yeah as I experienced her yeah in, in seeing her a role um she's brilliant at seeing people and what they need in the moment to be <laughs> successful uh, and putting them in a position to be successful is that how you experienced her as a boss
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah. it was always what can I do to help you Like, what do you need me to do to help you
1: solve it?
0: Yeah. And she always, like, me achieving, like, completing uni was always, like, her number one priority for me. She was, like, a massive supporter in me doing well to the extent there was one unit. I said I never failed. There was one unit where I had to take a supplementary exam. And she was, like, when I told her, like, when I got the result that I got a, um, it's, like, if you get just below, it's, like, if you get between 45 to 50, you get, the opportunity to do a supplementary exam when i got that i was like oh i've stuffed this like oh, i've failed like i was down the dumpster she was like "No! Nah, like let, who do i need to speak to that was her thing like let me go down to uwa and speak to whoever i need to get you like you're going to pass this exam i'm going to get you so she was a massive supporter in, in that side um that's a work mum move right there.
1: you're yeah, right that's a work that mum move
0: exactly that's a work mom move for sure <laughs>
1: how's the how's the how do you relate to these days to yourself as an indigenous man how's how's that going how do you what do you see as your path forward um what can we look like, because i don't i don't know if our listeners can tell but i'm a very white anglo-saxon mm. australian male Kyron, you're would you say the same about yourself i don't want to speak on your behalf no 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 carbon copy of, of you. Yeah. So. <laughs> you yeah. guys look like so, brothers actually It's yeah. <laughs> not the first time somebody said that <laughs> it's quite often yeah, yeah i do think i look more like karen than my own real brother actually <laughs> <laughs> um so we're very vanilla but what can people like us do to help the and support the journeys of people like yourself who are part of a minority group there's probably two or three questions in there that need answering <laughs> okay.
0: um I think like you said the opportunity the opportunity part is the big one because the way i view it is like this is going to be like a multi-generational transition over time like i can already see like people on my timeline like my facebook indigenous friends that are like achieving like awesome stuff
1: yeah
0: and you think they grow old i have kids they're gonna show their kids you know who's boss you can do this this is what you can do um so i don't think there's like quick fixes people can do but Um, I think over time you'll see that gap close. Um, But, yeah, I think it's just, like, opportunity. I've always been a big believer that, like, if I had had someone earlier, even, like, in high school, maybe even earlier, show me, like, what I'm capable of, I think that's one of the biggest ones that I would have, would have been, like, that would have helped me a lot. Because, like, growing up, like, you don't have that, you have no vision of what's possible. Yeah. Like surrounded by well I, in my case i was surrounded by like like growing up in thornley was like not much opportunity i guess you could say um and just people showing you what's possible then you'd strive to like achieve a bit better and throughout like primary school and high school and have something to sort of like work towards yeah. i think mentors in like the younger communities will be a good thing um but is that I, something you're gonna do yeah i think so i think I Eventually, down, like when I have, I think once I graduate and I'm a professional for a bit longer, then, um, then that's something I can go back to, to like, younger kids and sort of mentor and guide. I think that would be cool. Uh, but I think like in terms of, like, companies, like you're, like, you're saying, what can I do? I don't know, I guess it's, like, opportunity. I, maybe that's just me, how I am, but it's always, I've always thought, like, it's up to me to, like, push myself and achieve something I, I i personally like don't like people having like shame on me um and like getting handouts things like that like but i think yeah the opportunity
1: yeah but there's there's a couple of different ways people respond to so-called handouts right so a full ride scholarship to wesley some would say is a handout mm. um true but the way you, uh, the way I heard you talking about uh, not wanting to let people down, like, I'm imagining that that included, um, what's your teacher's name there? The lady who who is... Lynn whoever. Lynn. Yeah. Like, so when you were given opportunities like the traineeship and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, can't let Lynn down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, so that, and that's interesting because one of the views is, oh, if you give people handouts, then... Then they just, you know, take it for granted. Maybe some do, but you're a living embodiment of someone who got what some, you know, a full ride scholarship, mm-hmm. and was like, nah, I can't let the people down who who were part of this. Yeah, true. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's and like you said, it spurred you on, like, to kick your own butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're right as well because not everyone who gets those scholarships achieves, you know, goes on to achieve basic things or it's not 100 percent success rate just because you get the handout or yeah the help the opportunity doesn't mean you're definitely going to succeed so yeah i see your point yeah
1: mm. and so it's interesting like you know what do we do how does a society do we relate to the opportunities given to minorities um, and create more opportunities so what are you hoping going forward then? What, what, what kind of role, when you're talking about vision before, how vision was so important to get here, and it would have helped if if someone had to help you say that, what are you envisioning for yourself in the next five years when you'll be 32? What,
0: what's, your, what's the vision for yourself now? Five years from now? Okay, so I definitely, um, so I've been battling internally. So as I said, I've done a double major of data science and software engineering or computer science. And for the past couple of years, I've always been like, I knew the choice, I'd have to eventually make a choice and decide which one to go down. Um, there's a lot of relations and between the two, but you know, you've got to choose one. Um, so I think I've definitely chosen the software engineering route. Um, and so I think I definitely want to try the technical route um, before going into that sort of manager sort of role. Um, just because, like, I, I really enjoy the problem-solving part of programming and, like, I want to build that sort of technical capability. Um sure. But the first milestone, if we're talking five years, I'll actually, when I finish on the grad program, I'll actually be able to take long service leave mm. last year, which will be awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of the people in their third year will be three years out of uni and I'll be taking uh, long service leave, which will be interesting. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the goal is... Next year, grad program, which is three years. So that'll take me to 30. Yeah. And once you finish that, yeah, I'd like to go down the technical path.
1: Yeah, right.
0: For a bit, yeah. Do you ever want to be like a team leader and like that, do you think? I think maybe because like in this unit we're doing now, this one where you have to do a project for a client, I've sort of naturally seen myself take control um of the team and i don't know if that's maybe because like at uni you're obviously surrounded by people that are a bit more tentative and don't want to speak up first and i've been surrounded for six years i've been that person at woodside sort of being a fly on the wall and learning a lot from like leaders so yeah um yeah i i think i think i would i think i would eventually but i do want to get that sort of that sort of technical side achieved i want to achieve something like in that side of it first i think one of the benefits that's not, um, imme- it wasn't immediately obvious to me how much I've grown like as a person, like those soft skills that I've learned from not just being surrounded by Shelly, but Shelly always had a team of leaders that reported to her being involved in those meetings like every week, um, looking at how they tackle problems, how do they deal with, how do they come up with solutions to stuff. Like I've grown a lot in that regard, so. And doing the Ignite program. Oh, that's I was getting to that. Save the best. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the Ignite program obviously is just put you that extra fit.
1: <laughs> yeah, out of curiosity, without without lying or anything like that, how how did that how did you experience that? Because you were like the youngest person in the room by a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's you know you're going through with with some high level leaders. Um, how was the Ignite program for you?
0: Yeah, it was. Good. I think the the challenging part for me was I, a lot of the sessions I'm relating it to like my where I'm at in my sort of journey, and relative to the others in the room, it was sort of like they've already they weren't at that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. In that regard, it was kind of difficult because they're talking about tackling massive like cultural change problems, and and I'm talking about I've got to get my uni assignment done time and stuff like. That. So it felt from that regard that I was yeah it it didn't suit as much but a lot of the a lot of the things you talk about are just like personal leadership like it's not it doesn't matter where you are sort of in your journey you can find stuff that applies to you I think the biggest the biggest one for me was when we spoke about um, not being a victim I think that was that was a good week for me like not that I ever held on to sort of like past trauma um but I think it was I think that one was a good eye-opener just for like how also how other people sort of behave as well yeah like, I feel like I'm very good at reading people I think because I'm so di- I've been exposed to such a like a diverse um sort of people from growing up in the hood of Thornley to where I am now like I've been exposed okay. to like, everyone <laughs> so I feel like my big, big point for, like my big um my big skills is, like, being able to read people. I think that one was a good week, for sure. Yeah.
2: Earlier on, you mentioned um, the bus ride to Wesley College from Thornley and kind of seeing people in suits and yeah. kind of thinking maybe that's possible. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious about what that visual symbolised to you. Yeah. And then now that you've kind of reached
0: that, you know, that level of success, is it what you imagined it would be? Mm, yeah, it's actually funny. I used that analogy in my interview for Woodside. <laughs> mm. I remember distinctly saying I remember catching the bus and seeing people in suits and thought, I could go do that. Um, yeah, I think it symbolised success, I guess, in my mind at that age. Yeah. It's like, um, I always used to like, worry about what I would do post-school when I was younger. Like it used to like really keep me up at night some nights. It was, I don't know if anyone else experiences that, but when I was young, like I used to really worry about like time, like how much time I had left and what like I was going to do once I finished and I graduated. But I think, um, yeah, I don't know what it was. So the guys in suits and the guys and girls, sorry, in suits going to work in the city are just a symbol of success, I guess. And, like, it's funny because I didn't even know what – I didn't even know what they did. <laughs> just wear suits and go to the city. A suit just screams importance. I think. Yeah. <laughs> here's
2: here's kind of the themes that I've I feel like I've I've pulled out of of our discussion and kind of what I'm picking up from you. Like there's there's generally been a like it's around purpose, momentum, and people. And so I think there's been key times when you found a purpose in what you were doing, and sort of when it's you really discovering what your indigenous identity means um like finding that right course to study that really taps into what it is that you want to do and then the the momentum and we talked about the opportunities that have been been available to you as you kind of mm-hmm. you know which have been amazing but yet you're the one who took them on like mm-hmm. you you created something out of them so this has been huge momentum that's come as a result and the people that have been around you just the importance of good people right like you know, um it's the it's Lynn Weber, it's it's Shelley. Like it's it's finding just some really key people. And again, we all come across really good people in our journeys. Mm. But it's it's the the strength and tenacity and courage to go. Oh, you're a good person. I'm I'm all in. Like that's that's kind of you know do as much as I can to be around you as much as possible. So I think there's been some really key things that I've. That I've come like feel like I've pulled out, which have just been I've um, quite inspirational. So I think they've mm. been great. Thank you for for sharing that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think James James is almost that could be that fourth person maybe. He's getting there. <laughs> but I think I've had a tendency to um I've always had like female like people to look up to. I don't I think it's because maybe when, I don't know maybe because when my dad left I've always sort of associated more with mm. sort of female um, figures as well yeah i agree there's definitely like the people you meet along the journey i think that's the most important most important part of the journey yeah and it might be to do with your
1: dad leaving and stuff like that but also one of the things is that some of the most underrated influencers and leaders are women Mm -hmm. Uh, and so um a lot of people go to the men because they're easy to see and notice and there's a lot of people going to the men going help me help me help me give me your attention help me get forward the smart people find the people who've got space to help people <laughs> sure <laughs> you know what i mean like and they're like this person's amazing and no one seems to have noticed i'm gonna go to them
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: chris thank you for joining us this week um and sharing part of your journey and just what it's been like it's a real privilege to hear your story um and what it's been like for you so far mm-hmm. um, and for teaching us and uh, sharing your learnings with us.
0: Thanks for having me on and let me talk about my journey.
1: Thank you for joining us at home or at the gym or you know wherever you are happening to listen to this and we look forward to catching you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lead
2: Different podcast. At Lead Different, we are building leaders worth following. If you'd like to find out more information about this and leading yourself well, head to leaddifferent.org.
0: And do you remember how to pronounce that first word I taught you? mortgage James? Mordish. Yeah. Nice. Yes. We passed. Approved.
1: Approved. <laughs> Thank you. That actually means a lot to know that I did. Thank you. <laughs>